Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, please. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. When Peter's preaching here, the risen, ascended Lord Jesus Christ has sent his Holy Spirit. And on the day when he sends his Holy Spirit, he emblazons him with power and endues him that he may preach the word of God with boldness. And see, even whether it's preaching the word of God or witnessing or testifying or even being baptized tonight, it's not off the person. It's off the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit giving that man, that woman, that person an boldness to be able to before this crowd, this people and others to be baptized, to preach the word if they're a preacher. Like myself here, who came from a background who was rough, ready, grown up, back streets, Belfast, drugs, alcohol. You can imagine gangland fighting. All of it was mine, to my shame. But Christ saved me and changed me. A man who stood before judges in court. A man with sentences over his head. And you know, I thought, you know, when you're a Christian, you become a sissy. Friend, I want to tell you, Christ makes a man out of you. Christ makes a real husband out of a husband and a wife out of a woman. Christ makes a woman out of you. Notice this, Peter, emboldened and endued with the Holy Spirit and power, proclaims the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 37, we have a pricked heart. In verse 38, we have a proclaiming voice. And in verse 39, we have a promised people. Notice verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's the proclaiming voice. And then there is the promised people of verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now notice the pricked heart here. The word here is a big long word and it simply means this. To strike into. To stun. And it's used of a word to bring strong, deep, inner emotion. And Peter, he's proclaiming Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's proclaiming Jesus Christ and him buried. He's proclaiming Jesus Christ and him risen again on the third day. He's proclaiming Jesus Christ ascended in the glory. He's proclaiming Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. 
and he's proclaiming Jesus Christ glorified, he who is the Son of God. And the people are pricked. This stuns them. I'll tell you why it stuns them. Because they're full of religion. Full of religion. Do you know what I find the more and longer I pastor and preach in Ulster? And I've preached in the United States, and I've preached in Scotland, and so on and so on. Do you know what I find, especially in Ulster? I find the place is full of religion. Full of people who think their church, their denomination, whether it be Protestant or Roman Catholic, think that that is enough to get them into God's heaven. That that is enough to save their soul. That one day, when they die and go to the ground, that they are going to be in some sort of ecstasy of heaven with a God whom they say some of them they knew nothing about, nor even with those who say they didn't believe in. And they think at some time there will be some sort of heaven for them. The Bible teaches different friends. Notice Peter comes to the Jews of his day, full of Judaism, full of ritual, full of religion, full of going to temple, all oh, these people who go to church, okay. These people could tip up, as it were, at their feast times. And they could do all the things that they thought was necessary. But Peter proclaims the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God with power. He proclaims Him as the only Savior from their sins. He proclaims that it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that alone which can cleanse a man or a woman from all of their sins. Now, these people had never, ever heard the like of this in their life. I'll tell you why. Because all they had ever heard was, just be good. Just do as you're told by the rabbi. Just come at certain times and pay homage unto God who you don't know, but who you think might be there, or maybe you think he isn't there. And the whole way through the scriptures, they started to do this with Babylonian Talmudic religion mixed in among it all. And they brought this together and they formed some sort of great swelling religion thinking it's enough for them to be saved. Peter steps forth after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and this is what he says. No, he says, salvation is not in your temple. Salvation is not in your ritual. Salvation is not in who you are, what you can do, or wherever you try, or nothing to do with what you can become. Peter stands up in the Holy Ghost and power and he says, salvation is in a person. Salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. You know, salvation isn't in CET here, Christ Encounters Tabernacle. Salvation isn't in the man you're listening to. Salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. They are pricked in their heart. It strikes them. Am I talking to someone tonight? And maybe you're a good person. A good in the sense of humanity thinks you're good. Family thinks you're good. Maybe you think you're good yourself. You know what the Bible says? There's none good. No, not one. That's how God sees us. That's why God looks at us. He says, you're not good. You might be good to your family, and your family might think good of you, and that's fine on a human level. But as far as God and his kingdom, as far as God and his heaven is concerned, as far as God and salvation is, he says there is none good, no, not one. Not the man you're listening to. I wasn't good enough. I told you a little snippet at the start for this reason. Some people tend to think, well, 
You know that man up there? Maybe he is someone who just grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth and brought up a nice little Christian fellow. And maybe he's just one of these soft characters. I can tell you something, friend. I lived a life before I came to Christ and was either in prison or death, but he rescued me from my sin. I want to tell you something, friend. Whenever a man comes to saving faith in Christ, he realizes, he realizes what he has been, she realizes what she has been rescued from and to. Notice, they were struck deep. They were pricked in their hearts. They were stunned right into their very heart's emotion. The word here for pricked, it tends to lend itself to mean to pain the mind sharply. To pain the mind sharply, listen, or to agitate it vehemently, to stick into the quick. If you ever bit your nail and you do this, oh, imagine the quick of the heart. Maybe I'm speaking to someone and you think, you know, well, I've never heard anything like this before. And maybe I've, I go to church, and in my church, they tell us just, uh, you know, be a good person, be a nice uh, man or a woman. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell you that. The Bible says that you must be born again. Jesus said that, that if you want to be in his heaven, you must be born again. And those candidates that are going through the waters of baptism, the only thing that is required of them is that they are born again of the Spirit. And they're washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb. Notice here, the word here means to agitate. Now you know the gospel is maybe agitating someone tonight. Or maybe some or a few or many. The gospel does agitate. You know why? It goes against everything your flesh wants to hear. It goes against everything your mind has believed or thought. The gospel agitates the man and agitates the woman, and all they think of was, I wish he would hurry up and shut up. You know what? I've heard it many times before. I've seen it many times before. But the gospel, when it is preached, it is the power of God on this salvation. You know what you're hearing tonight, friend, even in your agitation? You know what you're hearing tonight, friend, even though you may hate what I'm saying? You are hearing a way for you to be saved. You are hearing the only escape hatch, as it were, through Christ from the flames of a lake of fire. You're hearing it because the Lord has you here to hear this. might sting you to the quick, but I'm praying the Holy Spirit would quicken you into his kingdom. Now notice, they were pricked in their heart. In their heart. The word heart is cardia. It's where we get the word cardiac from, cardiac arrest and so on. But it means to the soul, to the mind, to the seed of thoughts and passions and desires and emotions and affections and appetites. A pricked heart, now comes conviction of heart. Notice what they, what they say unto Peter in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. What shall we do? Am I speaking to someone maybe and you thought your ritual of life was enough? Well, I'm here just at this baptism and I don't, I've never come to this place before. I've never heard this gospel before. I've never known these things before. What am I going to do? You telling me my denomination can't save me? Absolutely, yes, I am. Whether that be a Protestant denomination or the Roman Catholic Church or any other religion. It cannot save you. 
Salvation is in the Christ whom Peter preached, the risen Lord Jesus. Oh, you might say like these people said, well, what shall I do? What am I going to do, Ken? What will I do, preacher? Because you're telling me now, everything I've laid hope in from my little christening as a baby or my confirmation into the church, that is a denomination church, what am I going to do? Because you're telling me that I'm not going to go to heaven if I die without Christ. Absolutely, yes, I am. You know why? Because the Bible says it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's only coming through Christ that you can be saved. It's only by believing from your heart, the cardia, the soul, the passions, the appetite, being surrendered to Christ. And a man and a woman can even be forgiven off their sins by faith coming under the fountain of shed blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary, and saying, His death is enough for me. He died for me. Claim it for yourself. Believe it for yourself. Lay hold on it for your soul's salvation for yourself. That's the only way you can be saved, friend. Listen, I have led friends who have been, and family who have been either died one by their addictions or even family who have been murdered. And I've seen them die. And I've watched them And the family gathers round and some minister comes and he starts to tell them how they're walking around the streets of gold in heaven. And they were a devil as they lived. Friend, there's no devils in heaven, I can tell you that. The devils are in hell. Devils are in hell. Maybe someday those who are agitated will thank me for preaching the word to be faithful to God. Notice this, what shall we do? Well, notice, simple, Peter says, repent. Repent. Now, repent is a bad word, isn't it? I don't like that word, repent. Some people say, I don't like that. It's a, it's a nasty word, that word, repent. Listen, let me just tell you what repent really means. It means to change one's mind for the better. Change one's mind for the better. It means to abhor one's past sins. You know, see, when I got saved 22 years ago, it took me a while because I come out of a lot of stuff. A lot of things that I shouldn't have been involved with and done and all the rubbish and the nonsense that comes with it and almost dying on numerous occasions and being taken away to be shot three times. Listen, hard men come and they say, I I don't believe in God. Well, I can tell you, neither did I. But their arrogance against God doesn't impress me. You know what impresses me? When a man realizes his need of Christ. And he says, I ain't getting on my knees to cry for mercy unto him. That's what impresses me. You're not here to impress me anyhow. Notice here, it means to change your mind to abhor one's sins. And I remember the things I got up to and the paramilitary shabines that I sat in for days on end and the hospital appointments I had for pneumonia and all those sort of things. Why are you telling us all of this? Is it because of who you are? No, absolutely not. It's because of who I was. I was rubbish. 
I'm telling you this because some people think, well, you know what? This Christian life, what has it got the offer? Friend, I can tell you, I abhor the things I used to do and the person I used to be and what it has the offer. It has life eternal and abundant life in this life for you now, friend. That's what it has to offer. Changes the heart, changes the mind, change of life. Repent means change your mind. I'm speaking to someone tonight. Would you change your mind? Believe in that, God. Change your mind. I, I'm, I'm an atheist. Change your mind. Do you know there's no atheists in hell? I want to say it again. What do you get? There's no atheists in hell. Do you know that? Because they believe, because they're there. It's too late. To change the mind for the better, to a poor one's past. And listen about this word repent. In Acts 17 and verse 30, it says, God commandeth all men everywhere. God commands us to repent. Change your mind. How you lived, change your mind. What you thought, change your mind. Notice what Jesus said in Luke 15 and verse 10. And he's telling the parable of the prodigal son. One son takes his inheritance and goes away and he spends it in what's called riotous living. He lives it up. He ends up with nothing, no friends, in the pig pen, eating the husks of the pig, and he finds himself all alone. Life is destitute, and he says, I know what I'll do. I'll return to my father, and oh, my father will love me. Now listen to what Jesus says about he or she who returns to God, or a sinner that gets saved and comes to Christ. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Over one man or one woman who changes their mind about the things of God and comes to God, you can bring joy in heaven. Do you know that? Now, people tend to think, well, that's the angels are rejoicing. And, and, and probably so. But there's joy in the presence of the angels. Do you know what that means? Who's in the presence of the angels? The Father. Father God is rejoicing because you would return unto him. Change your mind. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. See the word converted? It simply means to turn or to return. So someone here will change your mind and turn to God. Turn to Christ. Turn to the cross. That's what it means. Repent. Change your mind. There was Ken Davidson. There he was with pneumonia. Ill for three months. There he was. People looking for him. I'll not go into the details. Chasing him all over the place. There he was addicted to drink and on to drugs. And there he was getting into trouble. There he was ended up in court from 12 years of age right through his life. There he was getting up to no good. There he was, and one day I heard the gospel that you're hearing, and I changed my mind by the Holy Spirit. Pricked me in my heart. Changed my mind, changed my thoughts, and he turned my heart, and I faced God. And there I saw the Lamb of God dying for me. Dying for a wretch like me. So be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Coming to a close, thank you for your attention for this part. Then we'll talk about the baptism briefly. The idea here that your sins may be blotted out simply gives the idea of wiping 
away completely. Do you know when you come to Jesus, no matter how long it has been, no matter where you have been, no matter the sins you have committed, no matter the things that you have done, all the ritual and religion you have done cannot wipe away your sin. But when you come by faith alone, in Christ alone, trusting in his blood alone, you get a clean slate. You're wiped clean. Imagine that. Your sins are completely forgiven. Your sins may be blotted out. Here's the same idea. You ready? In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, it says of those who will be in God's heaven, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. This is a short picture of those who will be in God's heaven. See, all the tears you cry in this life, God wipes them away, and you'll find no more in his kingdom. So here's the answer for us, the question, pardon me, for you. Are you saved? Would you turn to Christ, to the cross, to the blood? Would you trust that you might be forgiven of every sin you've committed? This water baptism, Peter says, repent and be baptized. Water baptism in Colossians 2 and 12 says, we're buried with Christ in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So in other words, those who have been saved and have turned, now the next step is water baptism. Maybe you're a believer and you've never been baptized in water. Do you know it's a command of the Lord? To be baptized. Not sprinkled as a baby. You don't find it anywhere in Scripture. Nowhere in the Scriptures is there infant baptism. We call it christening, don't we? Nowhere in the Scripture. Dedication on the Lord. We bring the babies to the Lord and we pray with them. But nowhere water pouring over the head. But rather it is baptism by being fully immersed and submerged in the water unto the Lord. It represents a grave as the water goes over the, uh, the candidates of baptism. They're dying to self. They're saying to you, Christ is my Lord and I want to go on with him. It's an outward expression of an inward work that's done by the Spirit of God. And so when they do that, they're saying, Christ is working in me. It's called the operation of God in the heart. I know I need to go further on in God. Are you a Christian? You're not baptized. We'd like to get baptized tonight. You're a born-again believer. We'd like to get baptized and we have spare towels. We have spare clothes, haven't we, boys? Plenty of spare stuff. You want to get baptized tonight and you're a believer. Here's the water. You say, oh, well, sure, you must have to wait for a certain length of time. Well, not according to the book of Acts. Not according to the book of Acts. Whenever we think of that Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot and he's reading Isaiah the prophet and Philip, uh, by the Spirit of God, runs alongside of the chariot and he shouts into him, understandest what thou readest? And he says, how can I know except some man show me? Sure, what is all this Old Testament stuff? I don't know. What is this Old Testament stuff? You know what he's reading? He's reading about the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With the stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Christ dying for us 750 years before it happened. Now the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot is reading it. Philip draws alongside and shows him of the glories of Christ who has died, buried, and has risen again. And what happens? They pull up where there was water, and he says, now you need to be baptized. And he says, well, what hindereth me now? Here's water. And listen, it says, they went down into the water. He didn't say he sprinkled them. They both went down into the water, baptized. Jesus, our Lord, was baptized. You might say, well, is there an age limit for baptism? It doesn't tell us in the scripture, but it says the promises to you and to your children, to your children's children. Jesus says, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for as such is the kingdom of God. Is there a length of time? Well, we've already looked at that. There's no length of time for you to wait before you're baptized. Maybe you're not saved. Do you want to come to saving faith in Christ tonight? Why not get saved and get plunged in the water at the same time? Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you do want to. You're afraid. Friend, I'd rather be right with God than right with man. May God bless his word to us.